And we welcome you back to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Great to have you with us tonight. Tonight we are celebrating our 700th broadcast of Recovery Coast to Coast and saluting you, the listener, in grateful appreciation for joining us along the way as we carry the message of hope and the promise of recovery. In this segment, we are delighted to be joined by Bonnie Raitt, singer-songwriter, musician, political activist, philanthropist. She has been on the national music scene for a long time, is recorded close to 20 albums, has nine Grammys, and in 2000 was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Bonnie's a woman in long-term recovery, one day at a time, one song at a time, probably one gig at a time as well. Bonnie, thanks so much for joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. My pleasure, Neil. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. Without going too deep into the drinking and using days, Bonnie, how bad did it get for you, and what finally led you into recovery? You know, that lifestyle of a rock and roll and folk musician is you know, nighttime, a lot of people like waitresses and people that work in bars, all kinds of musicians have kind of an occupational hazard. I think it probably goes with late-night radio guys, too, and yeah. uh, journalists. And there's a bunch of uh, professions that really romanticize sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and for good reason. It was a lot of fun, and it certainly, um, it certainly was fine and as for me as a lifestyle until about my mid-30s, and it was something that just caught up with me, and I looked around at my friends who were getting sober, and I saw that they were producing more great music. They didn't seem to lose any of their edge. They didn't lose their sense of humor. They didn't become moonies, proselytizing, and uh, they seemed to be better in shape, had better successful family lives, um, felt better about themselves, and consequently, the other people that were <laughs> around me that were still partying, and myself, I thought I was slower to recover you know, uh, a lot of downtime, more time hungover than when I was in my 20s. Couldn't always remember what I'd said to people. was getting kind of sloppy. So for me, it wasn't really a question of kicking and screaming and slobbering all over myself and or, or as we say, a nudge from the judge. Thank God I didn't kill anybody or injure anyone. I had more of a lifestyle awakening where I just said, you know what, this isn't feeling good. It doesn't look good. I'm not as productive as I'd like to be, and I don't like who I've become. And so I sat in on some meetings, and I realized that when I, at the great help of some other friends of mine, other musician friends, they, as, as we say, it's a program of attraction, and I was very attracted to the peace and serenity and happiness and freedom they seemed to have. So I gave it a try, and I just took to it like a fish to water. It was really uh, a blessing that it wasn't a struggle for me. Talk about the making of Nick of Time back in 1989. Bonnie, uh, it, it won three Grammys, certainly one of my favorite CDs. In fact, we often played pieces of that as bumper music on Recovery Coast to Coast. You were newly sober at the time. Talk about the making of that CD. Yeah, actually, I got sober in February of 87, and by then, um, when I, about a year into my sobriety, I went away on a retreat and was just so grateful for the changes that had happened in my life, that I wanted to give something back and write something from that place. And uh, Nick of Time came out of that retreat and really was an accurate reflection of what my friend was going through at the time, you know, the ticking of the biological clock. A lot of my girlfriends, um, you know, I was 39 at the time. We were all were talking about staying in relationships or getting out and changing lifestyles that weren't working for us. And um, it was a real gift to me, from me to myself and to my to the world, really, for uh, the gifts that have been brought to me with 
sobriety. Bonnie Ray joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. You're constantly standing up and speaking out about your beliefs, frequently doing benefits and certainly giving back what you have so richly received. And you often speak to young people about your experiences with alcohol and, and other drugs. And back in 2001, you and Keb Moe did that great concert at San Quentin, which was billed as a celebration of sobriety and recovery. What was that like for you, and how important is it, Bonnie, to celebrate recovery? Well, I think you you live it and you and you you broadcast to people without proselytizing. I think you just stand in the place where you're at, and if you have some sense of peace and humility and gratitude and you're open and loving and kind, and, you know, you naturally, when you've had the kind of transformation that sobriety can bring, though it's not an easy path, at least it's, it's something that we have in this great sobriety community all around the world on the road. Um, you know, I really wanted to be able to do what I'm supposed to do as a public person and share what, I, what I've gotten. And, and uh, for me, a lot of times that sharing in a meeting comes on stage or in the case of, um, uh, you know, talking to young people about it or whether people write me letters or radio interviews. I'm, the San Quentin experience for me was especially moving because, I mean, can you imagine the, the, the temptations there are in prison when there's such a constriction of your lifestyle? Mm. But you have to learn to go in to get that peace and that joy. And it's a daily struggle, and we, we deal with it an hour at a time, of course, you know, and one friendship and one conversation at a time. And so I was very, very moved at the commitment to finding some kind of inner way out, inner freedom um, that, I was, that, I, that I discovered when I was talking. And, and before our performances, we had a chance to really get to know some of the people that were in recovery in the program in San Quentin. And I was very moved, you know, an incredibly humbling experience. Bonnie Ray joining us for a few moments tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. A few years back, you received the Stevie Ray Vaughan Award for Recovery, spreading the light and helping musicians overcome the harmful use of alcohol and other drugs, which, by the way, was presented by David Crosby. Talk about MAP, the Musician's Assistance Program, and the great work they do. It is really a long overdue uh, a, a contribution of the music industry for people that are trying to deal with all kinds of issues, whether it's psychological or uh, you know, the, the repercussions of the ups and downs of this incredibly fickle business. And, and I know just from, from having spent 37 years in this business and a lot of my friends, and uh, I've lost their jobs, a lot of musicians, a lot of roadies, the trickle-down factor for everything from, uh, you know, booking agents to bartenders at clubs that have closed to record company people that have lost their job in midlife. At whatever stage, you know, you're going to get uh, – slammed in, in a business that really has, has no solid ground, you know, you're, you're only as hot as your last record unless you're lucky enough, like I've been and many others, to build a following slow and steady from many, many years on the road. And um, it's just, it's great that Musicians Assistance Project came along when it did. Um, there have been really many, many years and many, many thousands of musicians that had no place else to turn, and it was a, an endemic problem in our industry that needed to be addressed long ago, but never too late, right on time, as they say, and, and uh, they've done incredible work at, at keeping people who have been too ashamed to ask for help. You know, that's the biggest problem with a lot of people. They're afraid they're going to lose work in, in whatever profession you're in, not just musicians or actors or show business. You know, there's a tremendous amount of shame in standing up and saying you're an alcoholic or an addict because you're, it's going to get back to the workplace and it's going to get back to your family. And what's great about MAP and what's great about all the recovery programs, I think, is that when you walk in that door, you are just another addict. And that's, that's the thing that we needed to impress upon other musicians. And, and uh, you know, those personal calls by other people that have been there and tried to stay sober at gigs, that makes all the difference. 
We've selected some questions from around the country from listeners, and for each one that we select, we will send them a copy of Bonnie's CD, Nick of Time. First one comes out of Milwaukee, a gal by the name of Laura. How difficult was your first year of recovery, and what is it like for you today? Is it hard not to take it for granted the longer you're in recovery? Very good question. Um, you know, the first year was, for me, like a honeymoon. Uh, I mean, they say even the first couple of years, and I have to say that was true for me because, I mean, my bottom was a pretty gentle one in terms of, you know, I wanted to lose some weight. I wanted to tighten up my, you know, my, my health. I want, in general, just wanted to take responsibility for my own health, you know, physical, emotional, and mental, and I had no idea how deeply the tentacles of addiction were in my life, you know, until I started learning and doing the steps and going to meetings and listening to learning about addiction and how far back it affected my family system. But I'd have to say that first year, um, you know, I was very, very lucky to have incredible support and I, I showed up and I did what I was supposed to do because I knew that I didn't know anything about how to live unless I got some uh, really good counseling from my fellow addicts. And for me, it was just an incredible return to some feeling of freedom and happiness that I hadn't had since I was about 15 or so. And as for the second question, um, I never take it for granted. I never take it for granted. We're around other addicts all the time. We're around people that are, you know, the big payback, we like to laugh. You know, I was just cornered at a party the other night by somebody that was kind of hammered and obviously on some kind of blow or something. And I just went, man, this is a payback for all the times that I probably bored somebody. You know, uh, you know we've all been in that situation. So, I, I, every day is a complete adventure in terms of people that you can help, people that are out there still practicing, people that you can, uh, you know, look up to that have had more sobriety than me. It, it doesn't get and necessarily easier. It just gets more um, rich and more imperative to stay on it because it's just it's not worth the risk. Just, I mean, I know that we're all human and people slip, but people have to know that if you're slipping can always come back in and I know that that would be the case if I if I ever aired I know I could step right back in Seth has a question from Boston a three-part question he writes many musicians fear that they will lose their creativity if they give up alcohol and other drugs was that true for you how has your recovery affected your music and what particular song of yours most relates to recovery wow those are good questions too um for me in my case I, I you know because Nick of Time happened out of my sobriety that for the song and the album and then I won all those Grammys, and my career took off at that point. I, I can't even think of anybody whose productivity and success is more related to a lifestyle change like sobriety. I mean, there was a lot of other elements in place, too. You know, VH1 was developed, so they actually played people my age on television. I had a new record company. Dennis Quaid being in the first video for Thing Called Love was a really good idea because <laughs> they played it more. And I, a lot of things con con colluded at that time to make things happen. But um, I really think that contrary to making you less funky and less effective, it really, if anything, it gets you in touch with a self that's burning so bright, whether it's your sexuality or your creativity, I think all of those things um, get really, really vivid when you become sober. And, and all the little difficulties and the struggles along the way in sobriety, because you're really awakening to yourself, those are what makes the songs somewhat sometimes the most interesting of all i mean people have always made great music when they were high i mean not all people but i mean you know there's tremendous amount of great music and literature and film done while people were high but it's a personal decision when it gets to be too much when it's going downhill instead of opening up to something that people really want to hear 
And for me, um, the songs that I probably, I mean, the song Nick of Time is really about a different kind of love. It's not about a romantic love. So the last verse of Nick of Time is really about my recovery. But there's a song called Cool, Clear Water that for me is, um, I think it's on Longing in Their Hearts. It's, it's, uh, it's a song that I wrote that's almost like a prayer. Uh, and it's about, about being able to dig deep and turn up the earth in your heart and winter ground that's yourself, you know, the ways that you shut it down. And, and to just to be surrendering to a different kind of a love, to a kind of a release. And it's, it's something that I, whether I'm singing it on stage or I just say it to myself, you know, that, that call for help is just there on a daily basis for me. I'm on my knees all the time. Final question from a listener, Jimmy G, Salt Lake City. I am a musician in recovery who has struggled mightily, relapsed frequently, and find it terribly difficult to be around musicians who drink and use. Any suggestions? Uh, my sympathies. I totally relate. I don't know how I got so lucky to be relieved from that obsession when I'm around it because I, I don't know how people go on the road, but you probably um, have other people in your town that are musicians that, you, that are trying to be sober as well. And, you know, the way that I do it is just make sure if I'm having any trouble at all that I get on the phone or go to a meeting or get with another person who's a musician. The only music, musicians are the ones that really understand the ins and outs of, of the creative process and, and being at the gig and the waiting around and the frustrations. I, I know it's very, very difficult to be in that situation professionally. And even when you're writing, if you're, if you're used to using pot or drugs to inspire you and suddenly you don't have it it's, it's very difficult to find a new avenue to swing from so i wish you all the best and all i can say is there's community in gathering you know there's actually a book that's coming out on hazelden i believe it's about creativity and recovery um i don't know the name of it but i just did a blurb for it i forgot the name because i saw the galleys but it, i think there's probably some pretty good help now online um, within the musicians community as well, and maybe Map would be able to be of help. Good luck, good luck. I really, I really feel for you. I hope you, I hope you can make it through. Bonnie Wright joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. I thank you so much for your time and, and joining us tonight. Thank you, Neil, so much. Keep coming back. I'm Neil Scott. More of Recovery Coast to Coast coming up right after this.